Hello, everyone. Welcome to the brand new season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors with host author Emma Polova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavent and authors Hilton Everett Moore and Ed Delaney. Together, we've been bringing you stories for 130 years. Today, I will be chatting with true crime author Rod Sadler, who will announce the details of his book giveaway of Grim Paradise, The Cold Case Search for the Mackinac Island Killer at the end of the interview. Rod Sadler is a retired law enforcement officer who served 30 years before retiring in 2012. After his retirement, he began writing true crime after discovering a macabre murder from 1897 that occurred in the town where he spent his childhood. Hello, Rod. How are you on this lovely fall afternoon? Oh, my gosh, you're just filled with enthusiasm, and I love it. I am absolutely great. I'm enjoying the summer weather. Uh, I know it's it, we're going to lose it tomorrow, but uh, <laughs> it's been great, and uh, it's great to be a, a guest on your podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome to have you. All right, so your latest book, Grim Paradise, deals with a cold case, the brutal murder of widow Frances Lacey on Mackinac Island in 1960. I find that very intriguing. I've been on this beautiful island many times. Why would anyone commit a murder in this beautiful place? Well, that's a great question, and uh, it depends on who you ask. If you ask... uh, if you ask uh, a former city official, he'll tell you that he believes that it was uh, actually someone on the island that committed the murder. Oh. Uh, I don't. I don't find that very likely. Uh, if you if you talk to uh, people on the island, they'll tell you that they think it was an insurance job. Um, but honestly, uh, I believe um, through my research that it was a very young serial killer who went on to kill. Uh, further in his uh, criminal career, if you will. Wow. How did you come across this cold case? How did you dig it out? <laughs> well, well, it's interesting. I, I went on a paranormal investigation uh, for fun up on the island at uh, Mission Point Resort. Mm-hmm. And of course, we did the ghost tour downtown. And uh, the um, the ghost the the host of the ghost uh, tour uh, told us that there was a, a murder on the island that was still unsolved, and that the person who committed it they believed had escaped from the island. And I always kept that in the back of my mind. And uh, I have a uh, was working part time, and my boss is was part of the um, Port Huron to Mackinac race, and so we were talking about the race and. I mentioned the murder and he said, boy, you should write, write a book about that because it's still unsolved. And so that's how it all came to fruition. When, when did you first find out about it? Oh gosh, the, the murder I found out about, oh, I'm going to say it was about five years ago Okay. Uh, when we went up and did our, 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 uh, paranormal investigation. So that's when I first heard about it. Okay. So how long did it take you to write it? What resources did you use? Wow, that's that's a great question. Uh, it actually took about two and a half years to write. Um, the last, uh, 
year, uh, the last year or so, uh, we've spent a lot uh, waiting for, for publishers' um, responses to see who was actually going to publish it. I had an agent at that time that I was working with um, to try to get it published. Uh, and so that took up a, a lot of the time. Um, but actually, the, the actual research and writing took about two or two and a half years. The resources that I used were uh, a lot of uh, uh, newspapers.com, which is a very valuable resource. And then I also went to the uh, State of Michigan Library in Lansing, uh, which is another very valuable resource. And then I interviewed some people that I thought might, uh, might have some information about that period of time on the island and actually uh, read a couple books uh, that mentioned very briefly uh, the murder in terms of a very short chapter, like three or four pages. I think the longest was maybe 11 pages. And that's all that was really written about that, uh, that tragic day. And so um, I think this is a very comprehensive look into the murder of Francis Lacey. And what were some of the newest findings in this case, such as using DNA technology to identify the Mackinac Island murderer? Well, uh, interestingly enough, uh, all of the research that I did, in all of the research that I did, uh, nobody mentions the, the evidence that was found. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's important because that's how a criminal case is built. That's how you prove a criminal right. case. Right. And in this case, uh, no one mentioned that uh, there was certain items of evidence taken off Francis Lacey's body that were key to this investigation. And those particular items, and I'll tell you very specifically, one was her panties, uh, which were used to strangle her to death. Um, and there was also some serological slides of uh, semen that were taken during the autopsy. Okay. And there was human hair that was taken off her body during the autopsy. And nobody knows that. The public doesn't know that. Uh, people that have looked at this case, um, cold case detectives, I'm not even sure that they know that. Had to dig in into a 2,000-page police report. That is, is really key to the development of a person of interest that I think might be uh, someone that the Michigan State Police should look at as a suspect. So do you think they're going to reopen the case? Well, the case has always been reopened. Okay. Um, or, or has always been open because mm -hmm. it's an unsolved homicide. The problem in this case uh, that I found is that uh, it has been worked on for the last 63 years okay. occasionally the state police will get a tip um, and they'll follow up on it um, there was a detective back back around 2010 or 2011 that actually sent an email and i've seen the email uh, requesting any evidence from the crime lab and the response that he got was it appears the evidence has been either lost misplaced or destroyed and sadly I think we all know if that's the case, this murder will never be solved. Because the evidence has been deliberately destroyed? Uh, possibly, yes. It's either been misplaced uh, or lost or, or deliberately destroyed, and, and not in a malicious sense. I think that uh, over time, 
um, as, as the state police uh, gets less and less availability for storage in their long-term storage, they ship evidence back to the original posts and you get administrators that, that are going through evidence and they say, oh, this is a, you know, a 60 year old homicide. Uh, this will never be solved. Let's just get rid of it. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm saying that that's a possibility. Um, I think the best thing to do would be for uh, the state police to actually look through um, their evidence uh, storage facilities at both the Marquette Post and the St. Ignace Post to see if that evidence can be located somewhere. Okay. All right. What was the biggest challenge in writing Grim Paradise or any cold case story? What are, I mean, there's got to be a common thread, right? And uh... Well, in, in this case, uh, there's very few people to talk about that remember it. Um, because it is 63 years old. 63. Um, in this case, I was able to speak with some island residents that were elderly that remembered it. And, and really, they just offered a sense of what was going on on the island at the time and how frightened people were. I did speak with a for former state legislator who lives on uh, Mackinac Island by the name of Dennis Cawthorn. Uh, Dennis had written a book uh, titled uh, Mackinac Island, Inside, Up Close and Personal. And it really details uh, his uh, life on Mackinac Island from 1960 on. He arrived on Mackinac Island about a month before the murder. Okay. And so he was uh, instrumental in providing a lot of information through his book um, into the murder. But the biggest challenge, I think, is number one, uh, getting the police report because it was extensive. It was 2000 pages. Mm -hmm, it was extremely, mm -hmm. it was extremely expensive to get. And then the, the, the second challenge is, is really trying to piece this together into a semblance of order. So, because the police report really is 2000 pages of, uh, of little supplemental reports that have been followed up on through the, through the years. And to put that into some semblance of order was a real challenge. Uh, so those were probably the biggest things. Must have uh, I been. think in any cold, yeah, I think in any cold case, uh, the biggest challenge is is looking through the the police reports and trying to find those little pieces of information that that investigators have missed over the years. Okay, that's a real challenge. To glean out very, the real stuff. Absolutely. It's a huge challenge. But I think I did a good job. Um, and I'm certainly not here bragging. I'm just saying that I think when people read this, they can see how extensive the investigation was um, mm -hmm. and, and how it still is an active investigation. Okay. How about the most gratifying part in doing this whole research that led up to the book? Wow, that's a great that's a great question. Uh, um, I don't know that people are paying attention to it now. People are wondering, um, mm -hmm. you know, who did kill Francis Lacey and and uh -huh. who is this person and why is he a person of interest in this book? Uh, and it gets people to think, and including the uh, the investigators. I got an email from. Uh, a detective sergeant um, 
on Mac, uh, no, in St. Ignace, whose uh, jurisdiction obviously is Mackinac Island. Mm-hmm. And he said that, uh, the, that he heard that the book was published and he was looking forward to reading it. And hopefully that will light a fire under him to take a closer look at it. That is the hope, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. How about any surprises, discoveries, or epiphanies while writing this book? Something that really lit up in your head and you said, oh my gosh, I might even know who did this. (laughs) Or anything of the sort. uh, Well, I'll tell you, there was two of those. Uh, One of those was when I... um, I actually tracked down Mrs. Lacey's daughter. Okay. And she's in her 80s now. She was in her 20s when this happened, her early mm-hmm. 20s. And she was not um, receptive to the book being written. Uh, and I understand that. And mm-hmm. I apologized to her for um, for bothering her. Okay. Um, but she did share a piece of information with me Um and that was that her mother did not have the ability to scream. Uh, she, her mother had uh, gotten her uh, years before this. Had gotten her hair caught in, and uh, she couldn't reach the switch to turn it off and, and lost a big chunk of her hair. But she didn't okay. have the ability to scream. And okay. so that may be... Um, part of the reason that on a beautiful Sunday morning in, in mid July uh, on Mackinac Island, where there was thousands of people for the, for the boat race, Mm -hmm. uh, never heard her because she didn't have the ability to scream. Um, The second, uh, uh, the second big gotcha for me was I was looking at a person of interest uh, that I think could be responsible. and, And he's indicated in the book at the very end, and uh, the, the color of the, the suspect's hair that was uh, taken off the body at, at Mrs. Lacey's autopsy was uh, light, light blonde to brown hair. Okay. And as I was looking through uh, this person's prison file, uh, I found that he had blonde hair uh, right. and that his first arrest was literally in 19, excuse me, in 1961. And that was a big gotcha for me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That maybe this person could be responsible for the murder. Where was the body found? Where at on the island? Well, if you follow Lakeshore Road around Mm -hmm. the west side of the island, out of town, out toward um, Devil's Kitchen. Yes. If you go beyond Devil's Kitchen, about a half a mile more, or maybe a mile more, uh, there is a... Two stone pillars that sit on the right side of the road. Obviously, on the left side is Lake Huron. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the left side of the road, there's two large stone pillars and a cobblestone gate and with a big iron gate across those two pillars. Mm-hmm. And that's where it occurred. Uh, her body was actually found back in behind that gate. Behind the uh, gate. And that's where the murder occurred. And, and it literally looks, uh, you know, other than some foliage, it looks exactly the same as it did 63 years ago. I bet. I went up there to do some research. And uh, as I was walking along Lake Shore Road, I thought, boy, I'll never find this murder site. And I had the crime scene photos. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I, 
I come around the bend and there it was it just as clear as day. I said, clear. oh my gosh, it looks exactly the same as it I did. Bet. I bet. What do you feel you did right? No one could have done it like you in this case, writing this book. Well, I think what I did right was I included a lot of details, details. that that the the public is not aware of and it was never made aware of. And I think those get people to thinking, um, hey, maybe this person that's identified at the end, the detectives uh, in St. Louis or in St. Ignace uh, to look at it a little closer and go, hey, I missed the part about that hair uh -huh. being found on the body or I missed the part about her being strangled with her own panties, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And right. I think that that by by uh, by listing all of that evidence and how it was found and where it may or may not be now, um, I think that's what I did right because I sure. think that will get people to thinking about to it. To think about it, yeah. What would you have done differently? Absolutely. What would you have done differently, if anything? Uh, wow, uh, you know, there's there's a second person listed in the book and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about mm -hmm. him. Sure. Um, but he is also listed in the uh, police reports um, as a person who they, they did a, a hair um, comparison with his hair. And the lab technician said that his opinion was that they could have come from the same source. They compared his hair with the hair that was taken off the body at the autopsy. And his, and his opinion was that the hairs uh, from the suspect could have been the same hairs that came off the victim. And I didn't follow up a lot on that. Uh, and I probably should have. Um, but the case is still open. So who knows what will happen? Who knows, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What have you learned about yourself from writing this book? Well, I think uh, I learned with every book that the secret to um, good writing, and honestly, I'll, I'll be perfectly frank with you, Emma. I don't consider myself a very good writer, but everybody else apparently does. Uh, and I think that that every time I write a book, uh, I learned that patience is the key. I'm reminded yes. that patience is the key not only in researching it, uh, but in writing it. Because you want to give a voice to Mrs. Lacey in this case. Right. And in my previous books, I wanted to give a voice to the four murder victims that, that Don Miller killed in my book, yes. Killing Women, and in my first two books. And so that's my biggest, uh, my biggest goal is to improve my ability to give that voice to the victims. Uh, I think that's the most important part about my writing. That can be difficult. Very difficult. Yeah. Yes, I found that out. Yeah. What are some of the takeaways from Grim Paradise? Oh, the takeaways. Um, boy, that's another great question. Um, never give up, I think, well. is a huge one. Um, if you look at the, if you look at the, uh, any news report, uh, Nowadays, if you get on LinkedIn and, and follow the DNA projects, every day they're identifying uh, murder victims or missing people mm -hmm. or uh, bodies that have been found through DNA. And mm -hmm. I think that's the big takeaway that, that 
uh, technology today is nowhere near what it was 63 years ago. And okay. with that technology, um, a lot of murder cases and a lot of sexual assaults and a lot of other crimes can be solved um, if, if things are done correctly. Yes. Can you give us some tips on how to write a true crime story? Do you have to be a law enforcement officer to write true crime? I don't know too many authors who write true crime. I'll be honest with you. You're the only one uh, <laughs> that I yeah, know of. <laughs> I, I would say that uh, if you look at someone like Anne Rule, uh, who wrote a lot of true crime uh, or some true crime, she was not a law enforcement person, but okay. she spent a lot of time in the courtroom. And, oh. and her style of writing, obviously, is a lot different than mine. Mine has been described as a, a spare style in that, basically, I kind of liken it to the old Dragnet series where I'm just putting the facts in. Okay. Um, there's, not a lot sure. of, there's not a lot of fluff with mm -hmm. mine. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think that that is a result of my law enforcement background, right. you know, uh, 30 years in law enforcement. I wrote a lot of police reports and, <laughs> but and you I don't, have. <laughs> yeah, I don't want, I don't want my books to sound like a police report, All right. yet, but everybody seems to enjoy that particular writing, at least in, in the book. Getting back to answer your question, I would say no, a person does not have to be a law enforcement officer, okay. but they do have to have the ability to research. Research. Because, yeah. they. If you're mm -hmm. going to do a true crime book, you want it to be accurate. And in order for it to be accurate, you have to do your research because mm -hmm. I can find out different facts about the murder. Uh, and I can find out, for instance, that, that they were able to take semen samples uh, during the autopsy, but then what do they do with them? Right. Or, uh, that they took right. hair off the victim, but mm -hmm. then how do they compare them? So yeah, it takes research to find out that they, that they took that particular piece of evidence, but then I've got to research how they analyzed it. And mm -hmm. so, and so that's the big thing. Um, if you're not law enforcement related, um, then okay. you definitely have to be able to do your research. Mm -hmm. to make it accurate yes would you do it all over again your writing career do you have any regrets oh no absolutely not i, I absolutely love writing and uh, i'm actually working on my fifth book already so good what is the most interesting or bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person author's event oh gosh uh, I don't think I've ever really had, uh, I, I think the most interesting thing is that it just recently I was at the festival of oddities in Charlotte okay. and, uh, I was doing a, a book sale and, and this really has, it, there's nothing odd about this or, or, you know, a freaky but uh, a young lady came up to me and, and she said, hey, are you Rod Sadler? And I said, yeah. And she said, do you have a sister and a brother and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah. It turns out that she and her two sisters that were there were friends of ours that I had not seen in 50 years. In 50 and they years. Just in over 50 years. And they happened, happened to be walking by 
and saw my name and came up and said hi. And that was pretty special. That's pretty cool. What's yeah. next for Rod on your writing journey? Uh, I have a, a book in the works about uh, a child serial killer mm -hmm. uh, from 1985 in the mid-Michigan area. Okay. Uh, and I am in the process of not only um, working on the manuscript, but still in the process of doing interviews and research. Okay. So um, it, it's probably another year and a half or two years away, but it'll be worth it. Oh, yeah. It always is. All right. Would you like to read to us? Oh, absolutely. Um, I just got uh, a couple pages uh, from the end of the first chapter in uh, okay. in uh, Grim Paradise. So mm -hmm. I will go ahead and start here. Yep. After an agonizingly long wait, listening to clattering dishes and waitresses yelling to short order cooks, he finally heard Marutus at the other end of the line. His colleague had barely said the word hello when the newsman yelled, stop the presses. Without a breath between sentences, he rattled off instructions to Marutus saying, quote, we've got to make over the entire front page and the banner. After a quick recap of what he'd found out about up to that point, both men knew it was going to be a very long night. Over the previous three hot July days, with local reporters grasping at every bit of information that came out through the state police and the Mackinac Island Police Department, the island's weekly laid-back paper had almost felt as if it had become a daily edition. The 10-cent paper, published every Friday during the summer, covered all of the previous week's events, and just six days before, the modest weekly featured stories covering the start of the Chicago to Mackinac yacht race and the excitement of the visiting guests on the island to watch the arrival of the winners. Other short articles mentioned the new police chief appointed by city council the upcoming Christmas Bazaar in July, and picnickers who had enjoyed a visit to Devil's Kitchen on the West Lake Shore in 1937. Now, on Thursday night, the news spread quickly, and there was a constant barrage of interruptions as the phone continued to ring at the town crier offices for updates from media outlets around the state. The small staff worked tirelessly past midnight as they added new information and made updates to the story as they learned additional details. Hours later, the staffer was back on the phone and told Marutus, get the, it was past midnight and he'd lost all sense of time. He knew that if the town crier hit the streets early in the morning, it would be the first paper to report the breaking news. By 7.30 a.m., Pete Marutus, now near exhaustion, was still in Sheboygan finishing the print. He wouldn't make it back to the island until he could catch the first ferry of the day. He loaded the final copy in his car and made the 19-minute drive back to Mackinac City in record time, knowing he had to make it to the first ferry. Hurrying to the dock, he could see several newsmen from around the state already waiting to be ferried to the island. Marutus quietly boarded with them, silently pushing his cart loaded with the town crier. By 9 a.m., the temperatures already in the mid-70s and expected to reach the low 90s in the day, Marutus rolled the push cart with a special edition across the front porch of the Mackinac Island town crier. And at 9.03, the first edition hit the streets. Marutus had done it. This would be the biggest story published by the small newspaper since it first began circulation on the island just three years earlier. The original headline was supposed to read, Missing Widow Still Stumps Police. 
the revised headline read, Widow's Beaten Body Found. Thank you. Absolutely. Can you announce the details of your giveaway of Grim oh, Paradise? Of course. Uh, any listener who would like to email me at rodsadlerauthor.com, and I'll repeat that, rodsadlerauthor.com. Uh, if you would like to email me with the headline, podcast book giveaway the first person to do that will receive a signed copy of grim paradise all right perfect okay now parting shots from each one of us cold case search for the Mackinac island killer okay now parting shots from each one of us i'm sorry could you say that again emma if you could, Rod, give us your parting shots, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Your uh, last words, <laughs> if you will. My last, my <laughs> last words would be, first of all, to thank you, Emma. You've always been so kind uh, in you. including me in your podcast. And if uh, for the uh, listeners out there, if you enjoy uh, true crime, and if you have ever been to or plan on going to Michigan's Crown Jewel, Mackinac Island, uh, you will not want to miss Grim Paradise. Right. And my parting shots are write indie, buy indie, and read indie, and read your local newspapers for inspiration, like that town crier that had that huge headline. I'm a newspaper woman, so I can appreciate that. <laughs> so keep your fingers on the keyboard oh, and your butt great. in the chair. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Rod. This was a pleasure as always. Thank you. All right. Thank you, uh, Emma. Mm -hmm. Bye. Absolutely.